Hey, it is a it is a true holiday game too. Wow, that pun came out almost effortlessly. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm thinking for the title for this one, it's gonna be uh, um, blue jersey, new nets. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. I'm sipping my tea. Yeah, I sipped my tea was, too fast. That was great, right? And yeah. I wasn't. Kids are gonna love this one. I, I think it's. I think it's something. Why not? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I, I can't resist a good pun. You called this whole uh, hiatus thing, huh? I mean, it's, it's kind of like what I, I said that. I thought that they do a two week break and I wasn't sure if they'd do the uh the whole NFL thing where they'd have like they postpone a game here, a couple get postponed there, like and I think that's been more their what, more the way they've leaned. So yeah, like I don't know. half well half correct. I mean, not that like there's being right about a pandemic and about a, <laughs> something that's invisibly transferring to all of them. But yeah, like it, it just, it seemed inevitable with the flights to different places, with how I'm hearing their, like, even contact tracing these guys. Like, yeah, it just seemed like a, a bubble waiting to burst, for lack of a better term. That's such an awkward, like, interaction, like, when, with, whether it's with people or organizations, it's like, ha ha, I told you so. Your world was going to be upended. Ha ha. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, not that I, I want to be right, but like, yeah, like it just, the, the moving parts just didn't seem like they'd be favorable. Let's look at the, the Harden trade as a whole. So as we record this, it looks like the uh, Nets got James Harden. In return, the Rockets got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodian's Curix, uh, three first-round draft picks from Brooklyn, four first-round pick swaps with Brooklyn, um, an unprotected 2022 uh, Bucks first-round pick. The Cavs got Torian Prince and Jarrett Allen, and the Pacers got Karis LeVert, and it looks like a little bit of cash, too. Boom. The Cavs got Jarrett Allen for nothing. With For that pick. Like, how do you get Jarrett Allen for, I don't understand, Torian Prince? You know, oh, you know that meme of uh, Megan Thee Stallion just kind of running in and throwing that seasoning on the plate? That's kind of what they did in that trade. They just kind of... Walked in there, just gave a little spritz. Like, here's the first round. And here we are. Oh, and then uh, to top that off, uh, Houston uh, packaged Karis Levert to Indiana for Victor Oladipo. Uh, and you said, uh, yeah, Brooklyn gets that second rounder. That was just thrown in there as of, what, last night they amended the trade since they found out that Karis Levert has a mass in his kidney. So then, uh, yeah, they sent them, what, I think you're telling me 2.6 million and that second rounder. Yeah. They, yes. Yes. That's exactly what happened. They added in that little sweetener that, and I guess my first question about this whole blockbuster trade 
Oh man, I have so actually I have several. So no, number one, did this trade save Karis Levert's life? One, uh, definitely could have. I mean, we don't know the extent, the severity of, uh, what that could be, but yeah, I mean, you don't do this, uh, MRI. You don't do this physical if you don't get traded. He would have just kept playing with it there, and but what we're all hoping that it's benign, like that it's something not too major. But I mean, yeah, it's never, it's never fun when they find something that shouldn't be there in your body. So. I'm I'm at least glad that they're able to spot that out uh and that they can get it handled cuz yeah at the moment yeah he's uh out indefinitely is the uh the diagnosis prognosis so they don't know when he's going to get back but yeah I'm sure that it'll be right after they handle that so I would say d- depending on the severity of what it may be yes this trade could have very well saved his life yeah, you're, it's probably irresponsible for me to for me to say that it saved his life, but it definitely, like without a doubt, it saved his health, like at least part of it. And you're right; we should wait and see what what comes out of the like more specific um, medical observation and such. Uh, pray for his health, though. What does it say to you that? And this is like the other end of the blockbuster trade. What does it say to you that the Pacers held on to Brogdon and shipped away Oladipo? Oh, uh, what that says to me is they're just looking for someone that can give them a bucket. Because I think they loved Victor Victor Oladipo for what he gave them. Uh, I just don't think that he was the player that they necessarily want or need actually because what you have Malcolm Brogdon a uh, point guard that can facilitate the ball pretty well uh, Dominatus Sabonis uh, four that can get you a bucket pretty much anytime Miles Turner a lockdown defender TJ Warren is kind of I would say what based on what he did in the bubble similar to Karras in the sense that like he'll get you a bucket but we have yet to really see that with any consistency this year. I think that what they saw from Victor, like they knew what he was, but they wanted a closer. They wanted someone that is going to come in and they can hand the ball to and expect results. And although Victor Ladipo is a great player that can get you a bucket like that, I don't think he is the, uh, the, uh, I don't know. He doesn't have the uh, one-on-one prowess to just like, really break down anyone that's in front of him. And Karras has that. He's kind of like that, uh, what? I think he's gotten a lot of comparisons to Jamal Crawford and accurately so because, like, you give him the ball, he'll break down anyone in front of you and just kind of will his way. That's a great comparison, actually. Yeah, he's he's long, he's rangy, and he can handle really well. So, like, I think that's what they're looking for. They they kind of – elevate their game just having someone like him even though maybe the team basketball isn't what it may be but now you have that like you you know who you're getting the ball to and I think that's what uh what a lot of analysts have talked about with uh what team was it in years past I think I think it was that Boston team before they had any real clear-cut stars like who do you really get the ball to I think this is when they had Isaiah Thomas at the time it's just like yeah there's they're so well balanced and you know that uh IT's going to get in the fourth. Yes, but yeah, uh, 
it's not the same as having like a LeBron or a uh, for Kendrick Perkins sake now a Chris Middleton, someone you can just give the ball to and expect them to get you a bucket. So <laughs> I, this is nice. I don't know. I think sometimes I think of these trades or these players like more along lines of the the storyline that follows with them. Like uh, the Pacers getting Oladipo was supposed to be like a the culmination of like several years of work like he, they wanted to bring him back to indiana because he he was so such beloved and like so beloved in that state for like what he did there in college like making the the uh oh my gosh i'm forgetting indiana's uh hoosiers uh, yes making the hoosiers uh like exciting to watch for like what 2013 through whenever uh or 2010 through 2013 so I, I guess I, I thought like this was going to be like a player that was going to be like an Indiana lifer because of it. But I guess I was naive to think that. I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the Rockets look with this set. And Adam, like going on with that, I didn't know like Indiana was trying to like, I didn't know they were trying to like make any noise in the playoffs or anything like that. I really thought Indiana was like kind of rebuilding. Like, okay, we'll make the playoffs, we'll sell some tickets, and then we'll we'll get a, a another star, and then maybe in a year or so we'll be winning. But it's definitely an interesting trajectory. They're not taking like your typical tank route, and it's kind of like Bucks of old, where it's just like I wouldn't say they're middling. They're definitely more uh, top of the pack, but I'd compare them to, to like. In Atlanta of the old, even though like what we're coached by Bud and in terms of balance and like team aspect, we fit that culture too. But I'd compare us more to the Spurs, if anything. And the Pacers are just that team that works hard. They don't have like any real start. That was the comparison I wanted to make. It wasn't IT in Boston because he was definitely their closer. But like Atlanta, that Atlanta team, it's kind of like, oh, uh, Kyle Corbett, does he finish the game for them? Or does Jeff T take the last shot? Or is it Al Horford, Paul Millsap? I think that's kind of that identity crisis that Indiana could have been going through. And I think they just wanted someone that was like, ah, okay, we're, we're going to hand him the ball late game situation. He'll get us a shot. Because I think I, I forgot which game it was. Uh, down in crunch time, he definitely struggled to get a shot off uh, with Malcolm Brogdon at the helm. He just couldn't really get enough separation I think ended up getting blocked for a three. And I think they saw that game and were like, okay, we need someone that is going to be a definitive ball scorer. And I think they definitely made that move. So I saw that game. I also forgot who they were playing though, but didn't Malcolm Brogdon score like 30 in that game and hit a three to like he still tie did. it in the, the fourth too? Like, so he, he'll do all those amazing things. Yeah. But then, yeah, you tell him to go get a bucket and he might oh. not be able to skate past just anybody. Like, you need a quick three off the dribble. I think his release is too low and slow uh, to really do that. And I think, what, the complete opposite of that is a 6-7 super score in Karis LeVert. So, I think I think they're happy with the job they've done. And I'm I'm really excited to see what they do in the East because, I don't know, uh, as we've talked about before, purity in the league is just getting more and more balanced. And I don't think it's going to be as much of a cakewalk as I think for Brooklyn now. Uh, really make it through the east so it'll be fun to see some of these matchups yeah there's gonna be a 
pretty tough team um, standing in Brooklyn's way, a, a tough couple of teams. Let's actually take another quick break, and then we can finally get to our Bucks segment where we can talk about – I guess we're going to be talking about two different teams that are going to be standing in the way of, of Indiana. Miguel, let's, let's talk about this Dallas uh, Bucks game or Mavericks Bucks game really quick. Oh, let's. It was a fun game. Yeah, the battle of the MVP favorites. It was a fun game to watch. At times. Um, at times. At times. Uh, what were the what were the harder parts to watch for you? I got I got a couple for me. At the very least, the harder part for me was watching Giannis miss eleven free throws. Well, I, th- I thought you were gonna say number one for ten, right? You said what? I thought you were gonna say number one for ten, because I think that's what he ended up at. What? Uh, the last time I heard them mention his free throw shooting, he was at one for ten for the night. I, that's the last time I heard them mention it too, and I I thought he had one more when they said that, and then he went and missed it. But so that was tough. But knowing that we still won by three, even though he missed those, and we would have won by ten or whatever, um, had he made them like a like a regular NBA player. But he he played well overall. Like I mean, he had one assist for some reason, which is also strange. I, I think that mainly speaks to. How much? How many times he was getting fouled when he drove? And his Brent Forbes kickouts were not being paid off. I mean, I'd say like the normal shots that they usually hit those handoffs to another guy, they just weren't paying off too. And there's a lot of him pulling out your do-it-yourself kit and just kind of trying to get a bucket on Willie Cauley nine times out of ten. He was also out like Giannis was also out like what the majority of the third quarter with four fouls. With four balls, it, it yep. just ended up playing like almost all of the fourth. But one one thing I, what else? What else was hard to watch about this game before we get to what was good to watch? Uh, Pat guarding Kristaps Porzingis. Why? Why is he in guarding Kristaps Porzingis? For what? What reason? Come on. Tires seem to get cooked by perennial all-stars. Yeah, 21 minutes that game. Bobby Portis had 17 minutes that game. They're unacceptable. Unacceptable. Absolutely. Bobby unacceptable. Portis Are you kidding needs me? to be like our un like like he easily needs to be our sixth man. Like he needs to be in that role. Oh, Even that- if he's coming off the bench at the same time with like DJ Augustine or or Bryn Forbes, maybe. But more than likely, DJ Augustine, it, it, he need Bobby Portis needs to be a six man for us, even if he's a, a dual six man. We can't have Pat. We got more of his no. minutes. Um, I guess that is a pro right there. Um, Bobby, he had that one possession where he grabbed, I think, what five rebounds in one possession, uh, and then it ends with uh, Chris getting fouled not too much later off of just a bunch of. Bobby's effort and then that middle point of the game when Dallas is kind of trying to take that lead but wasn't able to get over the hump and Bobby was instrumental with kind of thwarting that for as long as he could yeah I admire that Bobby's been playing well like these this last stretch of games I think he's really trying to cement his role on this team um, just real quick like Bucks rotation like the first seven people is what the starters and then Bobby and DJ, who should be the next two? 
The next two, um, granted, he gets healthy. Torrey Craig. I still have not seen him, what he looks like on this team, but I want to see more of him. Oh, yeah, this Torrey Craig. Um, I'm, I'm getting kind of worried. Like, we keep on hearing before every game, like, ah, he might he might play some minutes, and then he doesn't. Maybe he really is just still hurt, but go, go on. Finish your, finish your other person. So, so we're saying the two others besides our starters? Yeah. Well, so I'm saying the first two off the bench are going to be probably DJ Augustine and Bobby Portis. Who's going to be the yes. uh, eighth and ninth man? man? I think for us to go far, mm-hmm. who is, who are those eighth and ninth men? Um, Forbes, maybe? Ah, sorry. Yeah, Bryn Forbes. That was the name I was looking for. Yes, Bryn Forbes uh, is definitely that next one up because I'd say what? Off the bench, you're right. Ooh, you're right. Um, DJ Augustine is probably our best point guard to come off the bench and just kind of like run the offense, man the offense, and then just someone to get off the bench and just to give us a bucking and play some energetic defense. Bryn Forbes, you know what? Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say the Nasus. You know what? Right now, the Nasus is proven. What? The Nasus is proven. Yes. Right now, at this current moment, from what I have seen through minutes played, it is the Nasus. I'll take him over Pat because he is doing what I wanted from Pat. He's he is playing with energy and effort. The old Jason Kidd motto. We'll never forget it. Ugh. Ugh. Energy and effort. Uh, he's playing with that, and he's playing like he. He he, he's playing like he's about to get fired, like he's giving them everything that they got on every possession. I remember what it's it's the little things, it's the little possessions where it's like the ball is like clearly about to be out of bounds, and somehow he wills his way over there and just like scoops it up, tosses it perfectly back in bounds to Bobby. I know that what saving the ball, it's a fifty fifty chance, it, it could have been a turnover uh, if he tosses it wrong. But it's just like I it, it turned into two points. I admire someone that's willing to, like, throw their body in the line to give us two points. And I think Pat was a player like that. He was someone that just come in and kind of throw himself all over the place, 110% effort, 100 miles per hour. And now I think what? I'm not saying he's a little bit too cool for school, but he's going to protect his body a little bit more being the $15 million man that he is. And I don't know. We're, we're seeing from Thanasis what, Pat used to give us, which was like his his dying love for us. And I, I'll give him those ninth man minutes at this point until what? Jordan Wara becomes more consistent with the offense and Bud can trust him a little bit more to play in minutes. That's truly it. I don't yes, know. To make a long story short, the Nazis deserves those minutes at this current time. We talked about this in an earlier pod where he said, like, is Thanasis just, like, jumping around out there? Is he actually being effective? Like, look, his last, like, several games, like, so starting with Orlando, he was minus one, uh, even plus minus, even plus minus, uh, minus one, Plus two, minus one, minus four against Dallas. So like I. Uh, All right, now read us Pat's. Pat. It's only I, fair. I'm not gonna read Pat's. We we know Pat's is pretty. Well, hold Pat. on, hold on. It could be better. It could be better. We can see more pluses in there. 
I think total what? Uh, if you add up the plus minuses, the last is only at like a what? Negative six, negative seven. Accumulative. I don't think uh, it, look the Nazis hit a step back in the Dallas game. I think, but I, I'm just not. I'm Probably. just not sold on the Nazis yet. I'm not sold on Pat either. But like, the, it, it doesn't have to be an either or like for these players. No, yeah, that it doesn't. We could just chalk it up. And say it. Sam Merrill's taking all of their minutes, and we're happy. Hmm. No? Oh, okay. Well, who, who are your eighth and ninth men, then? If you had to choose for it to be somebody, uh, I'm guessing Bryn Forbes is eight, and then your ninth. Um, My ninth would pro- – like, I, I guess we have to wait until until Torrey Craig comes back, and I want to see how he plays first. But I'd probably put DJ Wilson as, in as the ninth, to be honest. Like, if you think about it, those first, like, eight players, we didn't have uh, – a backup front court player other than uh, Bobby Portis. So, like, I, I, we need another backup uh, center or power forward in our first. This is true. This is true. And that's why I'd even slide Jordan uh, – yeah, Jordan Wara into that ninth spot because then we just slide Giannis to five. And I like him as a stretch four. He's someone that could shoot the ball almost instantly whenever he gets in. Jordan Nora has a stretch four at, at six foot five. No, I thought he was six eight. No, six, I don't think so. I, I would check it up. It will boot me from my system, but I'll trust your facts. But I, th- I'm, yeah, I, I maybe were missed it. I thought he was a little bit more. Well, he is six course. seven. He, he's not six seven. I feel like that. Yes. No, I, I think he is. Because when he played four in college, that seems like a four's height. I mean, what, Draymond Green is 6'5", playing center sometimes. Draymond Green's Jokic. actually 6'7". He's closer no, to 6'8". No, no, he's actually. actually, I think what... No, I thought they did a remeasurement. He's like 6'5". He's like Charles Barkley. Like in a sense that he's shrinking or something? Well, I mean, aren't we all? But uh, no, I think truly, like they they measured him too tall in his combine, and it's like, oh yeah, no, he's actually like six five, six six. Uh, he's six six, one point uh, nine eight meters, and Jordan is two point zero one meters at six seven. So they're like, I don't know. Anyway, I think I think Jordan Warwick has a chance to be our Draymond. If there's any player to compare him to, he could be a good glue guy that could – he's obviously going to shoot better than Draymond. He already is. But, um, yeah, just being that guy just to play defense and just be there, give us hustle, I think he has a possibility to do that. I'll have to see some more of that, but, like, on the – like, I'm all for giving rookies minutes. Our to-do list items right now should be who are going to be our playoff, like, nine – right now hope because hopefully bud's not going like 11 deep into the playoffs like he usually does like lord lord oh no don't don't scar me i i already had my nightmare losses touches the court during the nba finals i'll be upset if i ever see pat Connaughton check james harden once in the eastern conference finals we are storming let's we gotta talk about what Team Toxic's 
final formation means for the Bucks. Like, uh, what do you think a playoff series matched up against Team Toxic, also known as the Brooklyn Nets, would look like for us? Ooh, so we get a little sneak peek. For those who don't know, MLK Day, a beautiful day already is made even more beautiful with the matchup that we're all expecting in the Eastern Conference Finals, this Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. So you guys will be hearing it hopefully before, during, or after that game. And here is my prediction for a seven-game series at the very least. I think they say defense wins championships. The team that will get the first stop will win this series. And I think the team that is set up to get the most stops at this point is us. I think matchup-wise, it's going to be really fun to watch. I think, what, Drew on Kyrie is going to be a great matchup. I think defensively, we're going to put Dante on James Harden. Kind of give him the Eric Bledsoe role where he's just going to kind of force him down to to the paint towards Brooke Lopez. Uh, I think that's going to be our main goal. And then I think we're going to put Chris on KD as it's going to be a score-on-score battle. I don't think... Either one of them will truly stop the other. Uh, KD is going to go for his 30 nightly. That's a given. But I think our best bet defensively is sliding him there. Uh, But we'll see because then we need someone to tail Joe Harris. I think this is a moment where you slide Giannis to the five, throw in a Torrey Craig, throw in a Brent Forbes, a Bobby Portis, whoever, uh, to kind of – fill in that other body because I think, yeah, that's going to be our best bet if they're going to start to abuse pick and rolls. I don't trust that drop coverage uh, with Brooke on, like, Kyrie. I think it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, It's going to be interesting. Like, matchups all around are going to be fun to watch because I I don't think we're going to typically see that KD on Giannis matchup unless it's a pick and switch. Uh, I think we're going to try our best to kind of, like, hide Giannis on other guys throughout the game, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be really fun to watch. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of tinkering going on between both coaching staffs, and it. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. I mean, we can expect games to be at least over 120 apiece. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, the team that's going to win will be a team that is set up to get the most stops. And right now, that's looking like us. So, we'll see. The, the bench depth is also something to look out for, too, because in that trade, Brooklyn traded up a lot of their depth. Their their rim protection, Jared Allen, it's not going to be the same. That was something that can at least deter Giannis from going to the rim. And agent DeAndre Jordan is looking like barbecue chicken down there. Uh, I oh oof man, I don't know. There, there's so much to talk about in these matchups. I just think that like seeing it Monday is going to be all that we need to know. All the first really uh gauge of what it will look like in the seven game series and i'm really excited yeah, to I really see what that Kyrie's turns out to look like for that game on monday so we can see them at full power i think there's gonna be like so one i don't think yep. that drew is gonna be on Kyrie. i think dante is gonna be on Kyrie, and i think drew's gonna be on james just because i i feel mm. like they match up a little bit better speed wise i think dante is a little bit um quicker than drew those his positioning might not be as bad as good and he's 
he's not as strong, so that's what makes Drew a better defender. But I, I think they're going to trust or try and put Dante on Kyrie, Drew on Harden. And I think because of that, I think their scoring is going to be lessened. Like, I think their legs are going to be kind of dead on the offensive end. So I think it's going to be more so on on Giannis, Chris, and then our our twin six men, I guess, uh, DJ and Bobby to to do more of the scoring. I, I also think that in terms of hiding Giannis on somebody so he doesn't have to guard KD, I, I think that's what's going to happen as well. What I hope, though, is that the adjustment is, is that they hide Giannis or Chris based off of, like, who seems to be getting guarded like lighter or who seems to be playing better. Like if it, if it seems like, like, Oh yeah, Giannis is charging into the lane and getting charges all the time and this, that, or the other, then I hope that they end up um, hiding Chris and then just having him take on the scoring role. Um, I, I think this for the nets, like watching their game yesterday against Orlando, it definitely seems like if you can, if you can play defense against the nets, like, they, they probably won't play defense against you. Uh, so there's that. I, I don't know. This, this would be interesting. I, I still take the Bucks in this series because I, I trust their, that their defense will be better than uh, the Nets. I almost call them the, the New Jersey Nets. Hey. They they are they do have some new jerseys. They are funky. They're those retro ones, those baby. Uh, oh yeah, they have the baby blue ones too. Whoa, crazy! That them and Houston had that uh statement jersey this year. But yeah, like I the the one thing I really do want to watch is matchups because I think in those starting fives, let's say we start our typical starting five, they start theirs. Who matches up where? Because I think the only odd ball out is like, if anything, we have Dante run around with Joe Harris because. He's the youngest, most spry person. Oh, no. Oh, no. God. God. All right. Hear me out. Do we play Pat? Is this is this the answer? Is he the answer to this? Is he the one that runs around covering Joe Harris with his immense amount of energy? Uh, then it's, what, Drew on uh, Harden, Dante on Kyrie, Chris on KD, and then Giannis at five, stretching out DeAndre Jordan. I think, oh, no, all right, I asked for it. I didn't want to see him, but I think this is going to be the answer because I don't trust the all the way covering those three-pointers because I – same with Pat. I mean, both have the tendency to follow three-pointers, uh, three-point shooters while they're going up. So who knows? Maybe maybe Jordan War is the answer for that last lineup or Tory Craig, just, just the guy to shadow Joe Horace, making sure he doesn't get up shots. I'm pretty sure it needs to be a, an energy guy that can just kind of stay glued to their guy. And I think both of those guys have that capability. So it'll be interesting to watch. It will be interesting. I don't like know. I said, I, I haven't seen a game yet this year where Giannis has spent a lot of time at the five. I think there's been spurts where he's played uh, the, the point center and they've had a four out for him, but I, I don't know. We'll see if that, they do that against Brooklyn. This is uh, this is honestly the the best game this week. Well, let's actually go ahead and get into it. Let's let's talk about 
Harden's exit from that team. Man, it very much. I wouldn't say it's what close to the Dennis system. I gotta go. I, I gotta break down what. So D was what demonstrate value. <laughs> uh, you prove that being an MVP. But what multiple MVP caliber years too. Uh, well, what was the E? Oh, you're talking about the Dennis system from always <laughs> in Philadelphia. I, I well, I'm not sure if he did it to completion, but I just happened to have well. always sunny in Philadelphia uh, fandom page up on my computer right now. It's just how it yeah. happened to be up. Yes, yes. Just uh, please, please break us down. Uh, as Nate pulls this up, for those who don't know, who have not seen, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Dennis Reynolds, uh, neighborhood, uh, just creep. Uh, no other way to, to really describe him. He has a method in how to stay desirable uh, to others, and it is called the Dennis system. And yeah. For the record, everyone in this show is terrible. I think that's the premise of the show is we're just going to put like this collection of awful people together in Philadelphia and see and make jokes about it. But it's it's demonstrate value, engage Which, physically, nurture ah. dependence, and then neglect emotionally, inspire hope, and then separate entirely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so wait, uh, start back at the E again so we can run it down. He demonstrated value with his MVP season, yes. E was... Engaged physically. Engaged physically. That he did. He he made it uh, from Atlanta, from Magic City. He made it there to play. This is true. Uh, before the, the, fir- the second N, uh, what? Because the second N is neglect. Uh, the first one was nurture, depend- wait, what was it? Nurtured dependence. Oh, nurtured dependence. Yes, uh, he left them with the John Wall and Boogie Cousins to uh, get the job done, and they've been doing well. Uh, same with uh, uh, Christian Wood, Sterling Brown, and playing well. But like, you can at least see that he was making them, making them uh, work for it. Like, yeah, you know what? This team isn't enough to get to the championships. Look at them. I thought the dependence part of this was just like make sure that they rely upon you, like, like make make it so oh. it'd be unbearable for them to have you without. A hundred percent. Like he made the whole offense. Okay, I dribble for fourteen seconds and I find us a bucket. If that isn't nurturing dependence, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm at. And neglect emotionally. Uh, that he did. He didn't make it back to training camp, and he didn't want to show up he but to go back to uh uh what was it engaged physically yeah then he completely separated uh did not show up came up like what a few games for a season like okay i'm back i'm i'm ready to do this but it just wasn't the same and then uh the i was uh the i was hold on i'm looking for the quote for neglect emotionally for when James Harden said, like, what was it after? Like, I've given him all I could. Like, <laughs> I oh man. <laughs> and how Boogie Cousins is just like, it's like, it's like 10 games in, man. Like, what you, what's wrong? 
what what all have you could have given? But anyway, you said we're on I we're on Inspire Hope. Oh, uh through various Instagram posts. What? Uh that that's even just like creating mystery. Uh that one where he has the water bottle in the studio and he takes off the cap. That could have been I mean that that could be it could have been interpreted many ways. It could have been, oh, they're saying that I'm going to leave no cap or to those that like were looking for hope. It could have been him setting a cap down saying, no, that's cap. I'm not looking for a trade. I had told him about the water bottle Instagram thing. And now I'm like even more upset at him. Like because of that. I mean, that gave me a little hope. I was like, well, maybe, maybe he's saying that's cap. Maybe, maybe he wants to stay in Houston, but I, I was wrong. I, I, I was inspired hope, but I misinterpreted. He meant no cap. He meant no cap. I want out of here. But that's hindsight. It's 2020. But uh, also, what? Also inspiring hope? That first game that he came back and played with them, like, it was a great game. They made it competitive. They lost by one. Like, what? James came back, dropped 40. And they lost on, like, what? Uh, him and P.J. Tucker miscommunication. Like, P.J. Tucker cuts. We should have stayed in the corner or whatever James wanted from him. So, yeah, um, that inspired hope, just seeing him play and, like, knowing that, like, he was still the James Harden of old, even though he, it may have seemed like he came back a little bit on the heavier side. This man's going to give you a 40-point triple-double most nights. On that note, on the heavier side thing, like, this man really just put a bunch of, like, heat pads and, like, Compression like shirts under his clothes to make it look like he was out of shape. See to push fans to be like, all right, yeah, maybe we should trade him because he's out of shape. Like, did these guy really just like, like, I don't know, heavy fish somebody or something? Like, is that I don't thing? I don't know. I feel like it's what because what that first picture from in Brooklyn, he looks slimmer. Yes, okay, yes. But one, he's wearing all black. Two. I I chalk this up to the old uh, the Instagram model theory. It, it's it's all angles. Like I, I don't think he was ever any bigger than what he was. I just think what when he's kind of in that like uh, I don't know what I don't know what to call it. His stance, his stature, he just kind of juts out, just naturally. He's just kind of got that like it, he leads with his chest, and I think that leads to some unflattering pictures of him looking a little bit more, a little bit more luscious around the hips, around the gut. And I just think it's just a poor angle. Uh, We're looking at, I think if you guys go on Twitter, he's wearing like a baby blue warm up suit. And yeah, that's not going to be the most flattering. If you're comparing like that to like a, a nice tummy tucked all black jumpsuit. Like, yeah, you're going to look, tighter slimmer i i i got friends that post this way black is a slimming color so i don't know if he what are we calling it fat fishing i don't know if he fat fished houston i just think that uh the media the media has a as a way to uh kind of i don't know inflate those talks definitely heighten them for sure because i don't think he was ever as big as he as they said, I don't know. I don't think I don't think he was ever. I don't think he ever gained like significant weight. 
especially like even that uh, we've all seen that photo of him in the baby blue jumpsuit but then like you watch the game like right after that like like he looked the same like he, he's balling he, i should say yeah. he looked the same as he usually does like he didn't look like he had put on much weight but i i don't know this is yet another it's kind of concerning how how superstars have been able to force their their exit for some of these franchises um but i i feel like when they signed james harden years ago like they, they knew what type of personality he was it's i i feel like houston kind of knew what they were they were getting in for but that was for sure championship or bust absolutely and like once they made those moves where they traded like all of their centers, you were like, okay, if they don't win this year, I don't know. I think people were kind of blind to it. They're like, oh yeah, he'll be back. I get Houston back, but I mean, I don't know. That was definitely an anomaly of a, a year, an anomaly of a trade where you're trading every big man and you're just gonna go small. That was definitely a win now move, and it did not pay off. So, so the chips fell. I guess. What What do you think about uh, before we move on to the next segment? What do you think about his comment saying like I gave y'all everything? And I guess follow up to that is how much blame do you put on James Harden for Houston not winning during the the Harden era? Well, to address the first point, that is him hitting the S on the dentist system. That's separating entirely. Separating entirely. He's distancing himself from. Me. He's like, you know what, I did everything I could. But then the Rockets organization, you know, they got rid of Daryl Morey. They got rid of my coach, Mike D'Antoni. It's, it's, um, you know, I, I don't put a lot. I don't put all the blame on him on Houston not getting a ring. I think a lot of it was like, I won't say a lot of it was mismanagement. They, they had their chances. Like I put that year where Chris Paul gave them their all and, did everything that he could in his in his body, in his body, to get them through that series against Golden State. And he what gets them a couple games. They I think had the lead and Chris Paul gets hurt game five. And then James has to carry game six and seven, I believe, unless it was just just game seven. But that was his time to put his stamp on it. And I think say, you're right. I'm here. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause I remember what Chris Paul was. He he willed them to that lead. He he gave them that lead. He did everything he could. And then, of course, of course, in the most Chris Paul of ways, God interferes and says, "No, give me your hammy. You've done all that you could. You you've shimmied on Steph Curry. How dare you? Now I'll take your hammy." And then it was a wrap. James couldn't do it on his own. I think that was the twenty-seven-three year where they missed twenty-seven threes straight. I believe that was it. I think that is I, the same year. And I, honestly, as as hard as it is to say, I think that was the closest that they that they got. And, and like when they didn't win that year after with the Chris Paul like hamstring and stuff like that, and even Chris Paul playing through it, and like when they didn't win that year, I was just like, I don't know that that kind of felt like their window right there. Yep, that was just like when the Clippers lost their like sixth time in a row towards the Golden State Warriors. It just it was just like, ah, okay. Well, they've tried it too many times. They've gone to the well too many times. It looks like it has run dry. 
And then, sorry, uh, your second question to all of that. Oh, yeah, how much blend do I put on, on Harden? I mean, as much as they're going to put on Giannis, I mean, what? It's all his fault? Like, isn't that what the go-to is? If the star player doesn't do it, it's his fault. And now he's just folding, going to a super team. So, I don't know. If we're going the generic route, it is all his fault. But as someone that watches the NBA, it's never it's never on one guy. Like, everyone points to J.R. Smith for that debacle in Cleveland about, like, shoot the ball but it's like hell james uh george hill makes two free throws we're not in that situation it's it is a team effort to get to where you're at and yeah i think the houston rockets as an organization definitely dropped the ball on this they had a perennial all-star a hall of famer future hall of famer and they couldn't get it done so i don't know wait it's an organizational game? oh Wait, really? I don't know, because I watched The Last Dance this summer, and I have some thought. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, now. Hey, now. If they didn't have that security guard with them, it's moot. None of this happens. I'm glad you realized that. The security guard was the key. Um, I I really don't want to talk about James Harden more than we have to. I, I feel like we're going to be seeing him uh, quite a bit over these coming years. Spend some time talking about this next Nets Bucks game that's happening on MLK Day. Um, real easy prediction this week. Uh, who do you think is going to show up the biggest in this game, and who do you think is going to shrink the most? I'm talking about individual players. I think uh, we might see a repeat of what happened in that Bucks Dallas game, but a different player. I think as opposed to Chris being the sole one to step up, I think Drew will be the player to step up and it'll be on both sides of the court. They're going to, because we heard in that Dallas game, they were praising his defense so much. He was doing all the right things in the defensive end. And I think that's, what's going to really shine that and uh, his closing down the stretch, because I think there's even times in that Dallas game where it's like, we don't know who we're getting a bucket from. Drew just kind of comes up does his thing, fadeaway mid-range, bucket. I think that he's going to show up for people that don't really know who he is. And the person that's going to uh, not show up, maybe even quite literally, uh, maybe Kyrie, uh, depending on if he plays or not. Uh, uh, Whether or not he shows up to the game, I think that's a question. And also, if he is there, historically, he's not played all that well against the Bucs. So I think he has the also highest chance in playing and not showing up as well because uh, we saw in that Boston series way back, he went, I think, worse and worse every game. I think it was six for 22 one game, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to keep shooting. That's what I do. Next game comes back, six for 23. Uh, so I think those are the two guys that have the highest chance to shine and have their light a little bit dim. Um, I think what about this you? is going to be a game in which Drew Holiday is going to eat. I don't think, like, so I, I predict KD, if he's on Chris, to actually play decent defense on him, even even though they haven't shown it so far this year. Because, I mean, Chris is, is pretty much just KD, but, like, some inches shorter, to be honest. The play styles are pretty, very, very similar. So I think if, if you know your own game, you'll, you'll be able to know how to guard Chris Milton. No. Uh, I think Giannis. You're um, right. I don't know. I, I'm predicting Giannis will have 10 assists, but I don't know what his scoring is going to look like. 
I, I agree with you in terms of like the not showing up. I think it, it could be Kyrie, especially because on the other end, I think Drew is just going to be like, like pretty much attacking Kyrie the whole game, especially if Chris can't get shots off. And especially if Giannis is having to play a passer for the whole game. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I think both of those are right. And to touch on your point about uh, Chris Milton just being a shorter, thicker KD, I was just telling someone at work this. They both have that kind of effortless game to get a shot, no matter what. Under any pressure, they'll seem to just kind of rise up on whoever's guarding them and most times cash out. So that that's, yeah, I don't know. Most underrated matchup of this game, of this possible series that can happen. I really can't wait for it. Monday you know, can't come, come sooner. Old prediction just contradicted something I said early in the pod that I think I said that Drew and Dante wouldn't be able to score too much because they're going to be chasing Kyrie and Harden around. But yeah, I changed my mind definitely just within this hour. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's be a Drew Holiday game. Yeah, what about game. growth? <laughs> 